Good morning once again. And uh, we are looking forward to a most blessed new year. If you've been worshiping with us for any period of time, you know that the first Sunday's message of the new year is dedicated to reading your Bible through in a year. I think of all the things I've done over the past years, uh, this is the one I think has been most helpful in the life of our church, uh, to encourage people to be reading their Bible through in a year. This is my 29th year uh, of celebrating the new year with you. So if you would have adopted that practice, it means you would have read the Bible through 28 times now, and uh, it would prove of great value. In order to encourage you in that activity, we're going to be distributing some uh, Bible reading schedules at the back door. We have both canonical Bible readings, taking you right straight through Genesis to Revelation, uh, and uh, those this year have both a morning and evening uh, reading to them, New Testament and Old Testament, but it takes you through the, the Bible uh, canonically. And we also have the chronological that takes you through the Bible in the order in which the books were written. That can be very helpful in uh, trying to get together, especially when you get to the prophets and First uh, and Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, those kinds of uh, issues. So we'll have those Bible reading schedules for you. Also, Pastor Dave put together uh, this insert with a number of uh, websites that you can go to to download Bible reading programs, Bibles, uh, free Bibles, uh, to read in various translations. Uh, they're available for your iPod, iPad, uh, Android, computers, you name it, okay? Whatever your device is, uh, you can find something that will help you uh, read through the Bible in a year or in some other schedule. There's nothing magical about reading the Bible through in a year. It's a very attainable goal, I think. Uh, it requires about three chapters of the Bible each day, depending on how quickly you read. And that can be anywhere from 8 to 15 minutes, I guess. And uh, we would just encourage you to do that. Uh, it doesn't replace Bible study, but it is very helpful. Uh, I think that uh, one of the difficulties people have is, is, I say, trying to see the Bible as a whole. And reading through the Bible every year gives you a sense of what the Bible is all about. It helps you know those Bible stories. And it helps you understand the overall theme and purpose of the Scriptures. So it keeps you from making errors. If you only read just one section of the Bible, uh, you may be led astray in the sense of something else that would uh, teach uh, a, uh, another important uh, doctrine for you to know. So I would encourage you wholeheartedly uh, to read the scriptures through this year uh, in their entirety. With that in mind, uh, I've chosen Psalm 19 as our passage of scripture this morning, for it helps us understand the surpassing value of the Word of God. The Bible reveals to us Truth about God and about ourselves that cannot be found anywhere else. There is no other place to go in order to find the truth about the Scriptures and certain truths about us other than the Bible. The Bible 
is unique. It is unique for it is the revelation of God. It is the self-revelation of God. God revealing Himself to us through His Word. The Bible is, as Pastor Heller said this morning, God breathed, which means it's been imparted by a work of the Holy Spirit upon those that have written the books of the Bible. It is without error. It is a divine revelation. And when we think about revelation, theologically, revelation is divided up into two categories, known as general revelation and specific revelation. General revelation is that which we we can know about God in a general way and is open to all peoples. And general revelation comes to us in two forms. One is the conscience. The conscience. Every human being has a conscience. And a conscience teaches us right and wrong. But that conscience is tremendously marred. And it can be very misleading. For it can convict us wrongfully of things it shouldn't. And it can fail to convict us of things that it should. So the Conscience is a moral compass, but certainly nowhere near the moral compass that the Word of God is. The second form of general general revelation is to be found in observing the created universe around us. Our created universe reveals certain truths about God that we will note in just a few moments as we open Psalm 19. And then there is specific revelation. It is specific because it is exact. It is telling us the specifics about God. And it comes to a specific people, those that read the Word of God. So the Bible is the special revelation of God. What I want to focus on this morning is the superior nature of the Bible's revelation of God. With the intent to help us to be motivated once again to read the Bible through in a year. And let me just say to you, if you have failed in this past year, don't let it discourage you. If you failed for 28 years, don't let it discourage you. This year can be the year of victory. This year is the year you can get it done. And uh, I would encourage you to try. Again, it's worthwhile. Don't get frustrated. However far you made it last year, that's more than you would have read if you wouldn't have started. And it's a better value. Let me just say, though, if you have a track record of not finishing, maybe you want to start somewhere else so that uh, you can pick up and and read something that you didn't read last year. So maybe you want to pick up where you left off last year in uh, reading the Bible through and you can still uh, follow a schedule and you just have to mark it by different days. But I would encourage you to read the Word of God through because the Bible is unique. It surpasses any other knowledge we can have of God. So we begin by looking at the knowledge that we can gain concerning God by observing the created universe. That comes to us in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. My Bible pages are sticking together here. 19.1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse 
is declaring the work of his hands. What can we know about God by looking at the universe? What can we know about God by simply walking outdoors and looking into the heavens? Well, first, we can know that there is a creator. Verse 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and then these words, and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. The expanse is that, that great universe that exists out there as we look into the sky, and it says that it declares the work of his hands. We know from experience that nothing as intricate as the creation could have happened by chance. As we look at this creation, one of the things that we should see without a shadow of a doubt is that there is a creator. Somebody had to make this. It just didn't occur. It just didn't happen. Our bodies are too fearfully and wonderfully made. It just is not a product of evolution. There had to be a first cause. There had to be a creator. That is revealed by simply looking at creation. Secondly, the creation reveals the glory of God. Verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. By looking at creation, not only can we see that there's a creator, but there are things that we can know about God. We can know about his glory. Meaning that we can know that he is wise. Whoever made this creation certainly had to be wise. We, thousands of years later, are still trying to ascertain how certain bodily functions work. We're still trying to understand the mystery of the mind. We're still trying to understand about the stars. We're still discovering stars out there that we didn't know existed before. We're learning more and more about this creation. We haven't been able to exhaust the knowledge of creation. Therefore, the one who created this certainly must have been wise. Certainly must have been powerful. Certainly must have been majestic as we look at the creation in all of its beauty. It reveals to us a glorious God. And not only does creation reveal the glory of God, but the creation reveals God on a continual basis. Notice verse 2. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Or as the NIV translates it, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. All day long, all night long, day in and day out, the universe just cries out this revelation that there is a God and He is glorious. You can go out on any night of the week and see that. You could have been born 50 years ago, or you can be born 50 years into the, into the future, and you will always be able to see a creation that reveals a creator and his glory. This general revelation from the creation reveals God to all peoples in all times. The revelatory work of creation extends to all people. Verse 3. There is no speech 
there are, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. NIV translates it, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Now that sounds almost like two antithetical thoughts, but actually it's the same thought expressed in two different ways. And that is that the universe speaks a language that transcends all human languages. We have a barrier. Uh, we can't speak other or all languages. Maybe you know some French, or maybe you know some Spanish, or maybe you know some German, or maybe you know some Hebrew, or maybe you know some Greek, or maybe you know some Portuguese, whatever the case may be, but there is no one who knows all the languages. There is a language barrier. But there is no language barrier when it comes to looking at the created universe. No matter what language you speak, the universe speaks to you. It addresses this aspect of a creator and a glorious creator at that. And the revelatory work of creation extends to all places. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Their line has gone out. Through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now it looks specifically at the sun. And in a poetic way it says that sun rises and that sun sets. And that sun travels from one end of the heavens to the other. There is no place that you can go on this planet that is not seen. The sun, the stars, the moon, the created universe. It extends everywhere. So not only does it speak a language that transcends all languages, it also transcends all barriers. Even when we sent a man to the moon, that did not render them in a place where they could no longer see the glory and power of God. There is nowhere that you can go that this voice of creation does not go with you. So you can see that general revelation is, is marvelous. It's stupendous. It's incredible. And we cannot exhaust the knowledge of this created universe. But as wonderful and as terrific and as amazing that revelatory work of creation, it pales in relationship to the revelation that we get from the Word of God. The Bible outshines, outstrips, outmeasures the revelation that can be had through creation immeasurably. And so now we focus on how the Word of God is unparalleled in its revelation of God. How important it is that we know the Bible, for there is no other way 
to understand and know the revelation that comes from the Bible. You can't get it from general revelation. If you look with me at Psalms 19, verses 7 through 9, we have here the value of God's special revelation and the benefits of God's special revelation, the Bible. So we have the value of the Bible and we have the benefits of the Bible. And these are given to us in couplets. In each of these verses, if you look at verse 7, the first couplet speaks of, the first half of the couplet, couplet speaks of the value of God's special revelation of the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect. Then if you notice, the second half of the covenant declares its benefit, converting the soul. First half of the couplet, the testimony of the Lord is sure. That's its value. Its benefit, making wise the simple. The value, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. The benefit, rejoicing the heart. The value, the commandment of the Lord is pure. The benefit, enlightening the eyes. So you can see there are these couplets that teach us the value and the benefit that comes to us solely from the Word of God. So what I want to do now is slow down and look at each of these couplets to help us appreciate the unique value of the Word of God. First, the Word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it is complete. If you look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. And the word perfect here means complete. It is whole. It is not lacking any value or worth. It's not coming up short. It's not deficient in any way. Everything you need to know about God is contained in this book. There is not one thing that you need to know about God that isn't in here. I didn't say it contains everything you'd like to know, but it contains everything that you need to know about God. We read in the New Testament, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Thoroughly furnished. Everything that's needed in order to do the good work of God. The Bible is complete. Unlike general revelation that can't reveal everything to us, the Bible reveals everything to us that we need to know about God. The benefit of that is it is able to to teach us about salvation. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Here's the benefit. Converting the soul. The NAS translates this as restoring and the NIV as reviving the soul. It is that which is able to bring about a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and is able to refresh us and renew us 
in our spiritual relationship to God. The Bible, the, the universe, cannot and does not declare the gospel. The person who has never heard about Jesus Christ is not going to discover Jesus Christ by looking at this universe. The person who has never heard about the cross of Christ and his death and burial and resurrection is never going to discover it through a microscope. That truth is contained in the Scriptures and nowhere else. It is complete. It tells us everything that we need to know about the Word of God. The Word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it is trustworthy. Verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. We're now looking at this word sure in the NAS. NIV translates it as trustworthy. Literally translated, it is confirmed. Meaning that it is objective as opposed to subjective. That which is subjective is very unreliable. That which is subjective is understanding (coughs) that comes from the subject. And in this case, it would be us. It would be us observing. And so, we would observe certain things. So, for example, the knowledge that we'd have if I'd pass around my watch. And we would all look at my watch. And we might all observe different things. Some might see that it's gold. Some might see that it has a white face. Some might see that it has hands on it. Some might look and see the preciseness in which the second hand goes around and realize that it's not a uh, wind-up watch, uh, but it is battery-operated. I don't even know there's such things as wind-up watches anymore. But uh, it's not. And, and you would see certain things. That is subjective. Objective knowledge is that which comes from the object itself. It is that which is revelatory. And the Word of God is objective. It is not subjective. Second Peter says this. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. The same idea. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You and I can witness the same event and come away with a different idea about what we just saw. We can witness a fight. And depending when we came on a, across that fight, we might have a very different opinion as to who's responsible for its start. What started this fight? Or, depending on how long we hung around, we might have a different effect. Uh, We might have a different view on the effect that the fight had. Maybe two days later, one of the persons in the fight has a concussion that the other person didn't know all about. There are problems with interpretation. Peter writes... And says in Second Peter, we were first-hand observers of the very presence of God. 
Peter says that he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was able to see a cloud. And he was able to hear a voice that came out of that cloud that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter was there and heard it. Peter was there and saw it. And Peter says, but we have something more sure than that. We have something more valuable than that. We have the Word of God. Having the Word of God is better than being there. For we could witness certain things and be wrong. That's why it's so important that the Bible is God-breathed. It isn't just the eyewitness accounts of the apostles. It is a self-revelation of God through the Holy Spirit, the imparted knowledge to the disciples as to what they were to write. It is more than just being eyewitnesses. This is the revelation of God. Therefore, it is objective, not subjective. And the benefit of that is found in verse 7. King James making wise the simple. Also the NAS, making wise the simple. Now the simple are the uninitiated. The people who don't know. Because the Bible is objective, it can reveal to us things that We don't know. And I've said earlier, (coughs) there is no other way for us to know them. It provides for us knowledge that goes beyond our human understanding and experience. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, But just as it is written, Things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. The Word of God reveals to us things that eye has not seen. It reveals to us things that no eye has ever seen. No ear has ever heard. It hasn't been just truth that is passed down through the generations. It reveals things to us that nobody else has ever known. The Scripture is amazing from Genesis to Revelation. And if you just take the two ends of that gamut, Genesis and Revelation, Genesis reveals to us things that no eye has ever seen. No ear has ever heard. Moses is the author of the book of Genesis. He wasn't there when the earth was created. Nobody was there but God when the earth was created. It wasn't just a matter of people handing down a a lesson that had been learned through the generations of how creation occurred. Nobody was there. And yet we have a declaration of what occurred on this earth, on this planet, 
before there was ever even a single human being. We know the origin of Adam and Eve. Where did they come from? Who told us this? It's God who tells us. And so he's able to reveal what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And the future, the book of Revelation, tells us how this world is going to end. Tells us about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's seen it. Nobody's heard it. It's in the future. How do we know it? God has revealed it. That's the unique value of the Bible. It tells us things that we cannot find out anywhere else. It goes far beyond our human experience. And so how both arrogant and how foolish it is for people to stand in judgment over the Bible using their own puny human reason. As though they know better than what the Word of God has to say. They weren't there. They didn't see. They didn't hear. Bottom line, they didn't know. And we wouldn't know apart from the Scripture. The Word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it's testimony, it's immensely profitable. Immensely profitable. Verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right. Right. That's the way it's translated in all of the translations. The word right. The word translated right here is a word that means which is appropriate, which is fitting. Thus comes the idea and why I have translated profitable or useful. Think of it in this light. Think of working on a car. And in order to work on this car, you have to have the right tools. You may need metric tools if the bolts bolts are in a metric system. You have to have the right screwdriver, whether it be Phillips or standard. Right in the sense of appropriate, useful. That which is necessary to get this car fixed. The Word of God is right in the sense that it is profitable. It is useful. It gives us all that we need to know in our relationship with God. The benefit is the satisfaction it brings. Notice verse 8. Rejoicing the heart. Giving joy to the heart. As we read the Bible, as we understand its appropriateness, as we apply it to our lives, it gives us a basis for rejoicing. A basis for delight. Every other summer... Uh, our family travels to uh, Martha's Vineyard Island for a reunion. Uh, Bonnie's father grew up on Martha's Vineyard and the whole family comes back every other year for a family reunion. And one of the things that we do when we are on Martha's Vineyard sometimes is we go down to a, a little fishing village called Manimsha and watch 
the sun set or rise. And it's really a pretty awesome sight as you watch that sun set over the ocean. I mean, I'm not a, a big appreciation. Uh, uh, I don't have a lot of appreciation for nature that some people do. But even I am moved when I sit and, and watch the sun. It's really glorious. And the people that gather there clap when it goes down. Okay, so they're, they're applauding the sun as it departs into the sea. It is a kind of a moving experience. Well, if you have ever been moved by looking at creation, have you ever gone out and just looked at the stars at some night, and, and you just look at them, and have you ever felt just this big, this unimportant, as you look at, at that starry mass, or you're all alone in the woods and it's dark? Have you ever had that sense of helplessness? That, that sense of majesty as you look at the expanse of the heavens? The Word of God can move our hearts in a far, far more dramatic way than the knowledge of the created universe. It can make our hearts soar by giving us understanding that goes beyond. Goes beyond. Have you ever felt this big by looking at the creation? I'll tell you, you'll feel this big after coming away from the Word of God and realizing that that we are dealing with a sovereign God, the creator of heavens and the earth. It puts us in place. It teaches us, who are thou, old man, that speaks against God? What right do we have to question God? It puts us in our place. Creation can do that. But nowhere near the way that the Word of God is able to do that. The Word of God surpasses the value of general revelation because it contains no error. Verse 8, the command of the Lord is pure. Look at this word pure. The concept of pure is to be unmingled or uncontaminated. It is free from error. The truth of God's word is not contaminated in any sense. It is not a mixture of what God says and what man says. It is pure. It is holy. It is just. It is true. It is right. The Bible is without error. I gave you one example how we experience error in general revelation. And that is our conscience. Our conscience. Uh, our conscience is not without error. Our conscience is not without fault. Our consciences aren't pure. Our consciences fail us time and time again, by failing to convict us in what is wrong when we do it, or convicting us inappropriately for things that we shouldn't feel guilty about, but we do. Because our consciences are messed up. <coughs> I got frustrated this week because uh, I'm a diabetic. I take insulin four times a day. And so I have to measure my blood sugar four times a day. And I was using my monitor. And just by seeing these readouts, I just knew it had to be off. Uh, it just couldn't be right with what I was eating, the numbers I was getting. So I went and I bought another monitor. And so now I have two monitors. And to get a sense, I 
pricked my finger and I took blood in the one monitor and took blood in the other monitor and it was off by, by uh, uh, a measure of uh, 40. That's a lot. So I did it again. And then they switched. And the one was higher, the other was lower. And I ended up with a, an error ratio of 80, degree, uh, of 80 points. That's the difference between a coma and walking around healthy. And, and, and so I said, you know, this is frustrating. I, I wish I had something that was a little more accurate. I'm supposed to try to keep this in a range of 15 points. And I've got a, an error range of 80 points now. It's frustrating. But the Bible is without error. It's reliable. It's right on. It's pinpoint. It reveals our hearts accurately. It tells us about ourselves. It brings conviction. And it brings us assurance of the goodness and grace of God. That's what the Bible can do. And so we come to the application in Psalm 19. The application is found in verses 10 through 14. Application number one. God's word is to be valued above everything else. The knowledge that the Bible is able to impart is priceless. Verse 10. They are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold. One pays a tremendous amount of money to obtain a college education. There are a lot of people here, I don't need to tell you that. You know that from your own personal experience. You can spend a ton of money getting a college degree and then getting a postgraduate degree. And moving on to a doctorate, you can spend a fortune in trying to obtain knowledge. But the knowledge that the Word of God imparts is priceless. Because it cannot be had anywhere else. And because it is of such great worth. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimony are my meditations. The wisest man on the face of the earth, if they have not come to place their faith in Jesus Christ, is but a fool. Let me say that again. The wisest man on the face of this earth, if they have not come to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, is a fool. For they will have missed the greatest and most important lesson in life they could ever learn. It is an issue about eternity. It is an issue about all of life and what it's about. The Bible alone is able to give us a knowledge that is priceless. Secondly, the knowledge that the Bible is able to impart is most satisfying. End of verse 10. Sweeter also than honey and the drips, drippings of the honeycomb. To delight in. I don't know what you delight in. You read a book. There are certain books I enjoy. I enjoy reading books much more than I enjoy watching movies. To me, books come alive much more than what movies do. My imagination is greater than anything they can put on a screen. 
anything that can be accomplished by special effects. When I read a book, my mind just soars. I envision things. And there are certain things that I, I just walk away and say, wow, that was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But there is nothing as enjoyable as the Word of God. Nothing as, as magical in the right sense of that word. Meaning, no one can conceive of the kinds of events and happenings that are found in the book of Revelation. They're mind-boggling. Any kind of movie that would try to portray the book of Revelation with its special effects is going to come fall short of whatever it is. It's sweet. There are experiences that you can't have with God apart from the knowledge of His Word. There are times in which your heart will just soar in appreciation. There will be times in which you will weep before God as you meditate upon His Word. And there is no other way to gain those experiences than in giving yourself to the Word of God. Application regarding the benefits of God's Word. Verse 11. The Bible reveals to us how to avoid pitfalls and dangers and troubles in life. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. It guards our hearts and minds. Proverbs is filled with pithy wisdom to teach us from making really bad decisions in life. It guards our way. Psalm, it says, Psalm 119, Wherewithal shall young man tend his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible teaches us about dangers. It also reveals to us the way of happiness. For it says in verse 11, And in keeping of them there is great reward. Great, great reward. Great, great blessing. Living your life in keeping with the teaching of the Word of God is going to result in satisfaction. I can't tell you how many people that I've encountered in life that wish they could go back and do it all over again. Maybe this morning you are sitting here in your own life living with some regrets. Some, some things you did when you were young that have come back to haunt you. Some things about your marriage that, that just aren't what you would want them to be. And you have these regrets. I can tell you assuredly, I can tell you 100% that if you live your life in accordance with God's word, God's word there's no regrets. There's no waking up when you're 80 years old saying, how did I waste my life? Why did I give myself to such meaningless endeavors? Why did I let myself get involved in such things? The Word of God can bring to you a life of blessedness and joy and peace as you follow this Word. So, a prayer response. Verse 12 to 14. This is our response to God's Word. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. How is all that going to come to pass? It starts with the Word of God. 
to teach us of our errors, to reveal to us our hidden faults, to keep us from doing things that we shouldn't. It teaches us what we should say. It teaches us how to conduct ourselves. But most importantly, most importantly, what the Word of God does is reveal God to us. The proper response to the Word of God is to put it down and take up prayer. It is to go to God with the knowledge that we have just received about ourselves and about God, that He is fully capable, He is fully able, He is fully sufficient, and we are insufficient to go to God and say, you know, your word revealed to me this error in my life. Forgive me and help me. Your word revealed to me of your power and of your strength, and I am full of fear and apprehension. Remove this spirit of timidity from me. And give me the sense of boldness that I can go forth in the power of God. I've been miserable. I've been wretched. I'm unhappy as I'm seeking for meaning in my life. And I'm fed up with life. And your word reveals to me a life that can be filled with meaning and purpose And delight and joy. God, I want that life. I want to experience that. Help me to walk in accordance with your word. Help me to live out and believe the promises of your word. The word of God teaches us about God and about ourselves. And so reading the Bible through in a year is not an an end in and of itself. It isn't just, well, we've read the Bible, therefore we're going to be blessed. No, the Bible is a bridge. It's a bridge between God and ourselves that we walk across by faith in prayer. I can think of nothing sadder than a person who knows the gospel. Not by observing it under a microscope because you're never going to find it there. But they've heard the Word of God. They know the Gospel. They know that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. They know the Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And they never respond. They never cry out to God and pray and ask for forgiveness and trust in Jesus Christ. The value of the Bible is when we act upon it. When we pray it. When we live it. May God bless you this year. In the reading of his word, as you obey it, as you believe it. May God richly, richly work in your life as you read the word of God that drives you to him. As you see him for who he is. And we see ourselves for who and what we are. I commend to you the scriptures. Benefit from them. Read the Word of God. Let's pray. Our our Father, we thank You for the day and age in which we live. We thank You for the area of the world in which we live. For we have spoken how there are 
there is no place on this planet where general revelation does not reach. There's no place where the stars do not shine. There's no place where the moon or the sun is not evident. There is no place where revelation does not speak. But Lord, there are many, many places where there is no word of God, the scriptures. I thank you for those individuals who are working feverishly today to take the word of God to places where it's not to be had. I thank you for the work of Wycliffe, the Bible translators. I thank you for Kyle and Jenny, even as they are there in the support role to help in the taking of the word of God to places where that word does not yet exist in a written form. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the abundance that we have of your word in so many translations, in so many avenues that we can download it, that we can read it, hard copies. There is none of us that doesn't have access to the Word of God. Lord, thank you for the incredible richness that you've given to us as a nation. That we have your Word. May we not squander it. May we not waste it. Lord, may we value it just as that person who in a communist country that finds it illegal to own a portion of God's Word and maybe has just one book of the Bible and cherishes that book. Oh Lord, may we in our richness of the Word not fail to cherish what you have given to us. Forgive us, O oh God, for ignoring it, for placing it on a shelf, for thinking of it as a drudgery or a task or a hardship or a duty or a responsibility to spend just moments in reading your word. Oh Lord, give us a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Give us an insatiable desire to know you and to realize that in that knowledge it comes through your word. Lord, cause our hearts to delight in your word. Speak to us. Transform us. Motivate us. Preserve us. Keep us from doing that which is going to be displeasing to you and a nightmare to our own lives. Keep us from presumptuous sins. Lord, guard our hearts and minds that we speak that which is appropriate, that that which is right, that which is in keeping with your word. O oh God, minister to us through your word this day and every day to come. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.